Okay, wonderful. Well, very, very warm welcome to Hope Church, uh, especially if it's your first time with us. Very, very warm welcome those watching online as well. Um, if you've been with us at all over the summer, over the last few weeks, we are in a preaching series looking at the book of Galatians. And the title of the preaching series is Set Free, Live Free. Now, the, the, the book of Galatians is all about God's grace. Paul, the Apostle Paul, is writing to the churches in Galatia, which is modern-day Turkey. He's invite, writing to the churches that he planted. And he's writing to encourage them and to challenge them. And the heart message of the letter is, look, church, it's not about what you do in your lives. It's all about what Jesus has done for you on the cross. And Paul argues this in a number of ways in the letter to the Galatians. Chapter 1 and 2, he argues from personal experience. He says, hey, look at my life. My life shows that it's not about what you do, but it's about God's grace. Then chapters 3 and 4, he argues from Scripture, from the Old Testament. and says, hey, look, it's not about what you do. It's about the grace of God. You can see it in the Old Testament. You can see a shadow and a hint of it in the Old Testament. And now through Jesus Christ, it has become realized, the grace of God. And now chapters 5 and 6 is the practical outworking of this message. Set free, live free. What does it then look like in practice? So last week we were in Galatians chapter 5, and we looked at how we are as Christians called to walk by the Spirit. When we walk by the Spirit, there is a fruit of love in our lives. Do you know what? That One of the major evidences of a church, of God's people, of an individual who is walking by the Spirit, is that they love others, is that they have a heart for other people. Because if the Holy Spirit is in you, if you're keeping in step with the Holy Spirit, if you are living the life of freedom that God has called for you, then you will love others. So let's carry on. Galatians chapter 6, that's where we're up to today. And we're going to read verses 1 to 6. Brothers, Oh, let's go back to verse one. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word should share all good things with their instructor. So under the umbrella of walking, living by the Spirit, living in the freedom that God has given to us, Paul in these verses gives us some instructions of what this looks like. He gives us some instructions of what it looks like to have good relationships with others and to love one another. The first thing we're going to look at is verse 2. Paul talks about bearing one another's burdens. 
You see, we all have burdens and problems in our lives that we are not to carry alone. It's important that Jesus Christ alone deals with our sin and shame. It's Jesus Christ alone who forgives us for the wrongs that we have done and gives us a place in heaven. But there are other burdens and trials and difficulties that we face along life's way. There are worries, there are temptations, there are struggles, different circumstances we find ourselves in. And in those moments, we are still to cast our burdens onto Jesus, but we need one another's help. Because one of the ways that Jesus tells us to help us with our burdens is through human friendship. You see, even the Apostle Paul, the the man who wrote the third of the New Testament, who wrote the letter to the Galatians, he was burdened and worried by the church in Corinth. He, he, He couldn't get them out of his mind. He was afflicted. He couldn't rest. He he tossed and turned at night because of what was going on in the church in Corinth. And God gave Paul a man called Titus. Read 2 Corinthians 7 verse 6. It says, but God who comforts the downcast comforted us by the coming of Titus. You see, comfort came to Paul not in that moment through a Bible verse or a prayer, but through the companionship of a friend. Friends are part of God's purpose to fulfill the law of Christ. Friends are part of what God has given us to help us to share and to carry one another's burdens. And in today's society in 2023, we desperately need friends. We desperately need human contact. So many people in our society are struggling with loneliness. So many people are struggling with mental health issues because of loneliness. There is no friend to carry their burden. You see, the Bible is so relevant to today. We, we need one another. That's what Paul is saying. Look, 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 you need one another. You need each other to carry the burdens, the worries, the anxieties of life. And listen, this is really practical. This is practical stuff. This is a text, a phone call, a popping around to see someone, a writing of a card or a letter, or, you know, it's practical time spent with someone sitting down over a coffee and hearing their story and hearing their anxieties and hearing their issues, getting alongside one another. So if we walk by the Spirit and we live in the freedom that God has won for us, That is a practical outworking that we are friends with one another, that we bear one another's burdens. That's the first thing that Paul says. Secondly, he says, well, listen, walking by the Spirit is not just sharing one another's burdens, it's also restoring gently, verse 1. And Paul here is talking about a fellow Christian, a fellow believer who has basically sinned in their life. They've messed up. They've done something wrong or they are continuing to do something wrong. And and Jesus embodies this beautifully in John chapter 8, verses 1 to 11, with the woman caught in adultery. The Pharisees brought this woman to Jesus. And Jesus exhibits restoring gently, beautifully in those verses. He doesn't condemn her, but he calls out the wrong gently and says, I love you. I accept you. Go and sin no more. 
Paul, sorry, Jesus embodies that in John chapter 8. And what Paul is telling us here is, look, look, it's not about doing nothing. Neither is it about condemning. And neither is it about gossiping or telling other people what might be going on in someone else's life. No, no, no. That word in the Hebrew, restore, is a verb and it is a medical term. Think of, of, of a bone that's been broken. Think of, you know, a dislocated shoulder or a broken leg. You want to restore that leg, restore that shoulder so you, you mend it. You might be a little jolt, there might be a cast, there might be a to put it back into place. But what your aim is, is to restore that leg, to restore that shoulder. It's the same word in the Hebrew as, as mending nets. Mark 1 verse 19, when the disciples or Peter, James and John were mending the nets. It's the idea of restoring something, putting it back to a place that it better than it was before. And you see, we have to understand that, that, yes, Jesus came to seek and save the lost, but he also came to restore God's people. He came to restore us in our human lives, in our day-to-day -day life. He came to make us better than we are right now. So you might ask the question, well, Mark, who does this? Who, who, who restores gently? Well, Paul tells us those who are spiritual, those who walk by the Spirit. In other words, other believers. And you say, well, how should it be done? With a spirit of gentleness, with the goal to restore, to put back better than it was before. And you see, what I think is important to say here is we must avoid the extremes. The extremes are this. The extremes is the harsh, judgmental brother who calls out the sin and makes a huge deal of it in a harsh, judgmental way. But the equal extreme is not doing anything about it, ignoring it, not saying anything. And you see, what Paul is showing us here is if we are to be believers and a church that walk by the Spirit and love one another, yes, there's a bearing of one another's burdens, being friends to one another in season and out of season. But there is also times and seasons and moments when we are to restore gently one another, when we are to challenge one another's lives. And let me tell you, if these things are done well, it is incredibly attractive. It is incredibly beautiful. Because even if you might have a bit of a jolt, or a bit of offense that someone has questioned something in your life. If you know that their motive is they want to restore you, if they love you enough that they are willing to challenge you, then though it might be hard, though it might be a bit of a wrench, you know that their heart is to restore you gently. So that's two things that Paul gives us. One more, one more in Galatians chapter 5. He's saying, look, walk by the Spirit, love one another, bear one another's burdens, restore gently. And then he says in verse 5, carry your own load. Now, you may think, hold on, there's a contradiction here between verse 2 and verse 5. Hold on a minute, weren't we called to carry one another's burdens? And now in verse 5, Paul is saying, carry your own load. Well, what Paul is talking about there in verse 5 is a soldier's backpack. In other words, each of you 
have responsibilities that you are called to carry that are not to share with others. They are yours, and they are your responsibility. Let me give you an example to try and illustrate this. So imagine I'm in my car with my three kids, taking them to see their granddad in Ilford. And halfway there in Forest Gate, the car breaks down. So I call up Charles, one of the other leaders at Hope Church, and I say, hey, Charles, could you do me a favor? Can you drive to Forest Gate where I am, and can you take the kids to my dad's because I've got a really important meeting to go to? And Charles being the amazing man he is, friend he is, leader he is, would say, yeah, sure, Mark, I'll do that. That's helping, bearing one another's burdens. But you know what I'm not going to do? I'm not going to say, hey, Charles, can you now take on the, being, the role of being dad to my three kids? Because I'm off. I'm off to Thailand or I'm off. No, that's my responsibility. My responsibility to be father to three amazing children. So that's a wrong, bad thing to come and ask someone else to come and be the father to the children of your family. What I'm trying to illustrate is that there are privileges and responsibilities that you alone can bear. It's your pack. It's your rucksack that you carry to be the father, the mother to your children, to be the husband or wife to your partner, to work the job that God has given you, to use the talents that God has given you. It's such an important distinction. Some things are your responsibility before God, and you will be called to account on those responsibilities before God. So you see, in these first six verses of chapter six, Paul is is demonstrating what it looks like to walk by the Spirit and to love others. And he tells us, he says, look, bear one another's burdens, be good friends. There'll be moments when you need to challenge. There'll be moments in a gentle way, loving way, when you need to challenge and gently restore. But also you need to carry your own responsibilities your own backpack that has your name on it for the specific responsibilities that God has called you. So that's the first six verses of Galatians chapter 6. And we're going to do the second half of the message looking at verses 7 to 10. So let's read on and read verses 7 to 10 of Galatians chapter 6. And what we'll find here is a principle and a promise. So let's read these verses. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity... Let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of faith or family of believers. A principle and a promise. Firstly, the principle. The principle is you reap what you sow. Think of a farmer. Think of a farmer out in his fields. The farmer wants a harvest. And if the farmer wants a harvest of barley, what seeds does he plant? He plants 
barley seeds. Not a trick question. He wants a harvest of barley. He plants barley seeds. If he wants a plentiful harvest, a good harvest, he uses quality seed. He, he, he sows it plentifully. And as the rain comes and the sunshine comes, then the harvest is big. The barley harvest is quality and big. We know that to be true. We know that in the natural, but it is true in the spiritual. It's interesting, verse 7 says, do not be deceived. You reap what you sow. You see, the father, sorry, the, the devil is the father of lies. The devil tries to deceive you and I. The devil is very subtle, and he will say things like, it doesn't matter how you live your life. It doesn't matter what you say or do. Act, behave how you want to. There'll be no consequences to how you live. But Paul say, look, don't be deceived. Do not be deceived. Christian who loves God, forgiven, placed in heaven, someone who doesn't yet know Jesus, non-Christian, doesn't yet know Jesus. There they both are, but they are both under the umbrella that says you reap what you sow. You see, grace is God forgives you. God loves you. You don't get what you deserve. The Bible says, the Bible is very clear, that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The Bible says that the wages of sin are death. But the grace of God is we don't get what we deserve. We get a place in heaven. We are forgiven and set free. That's the grace of God. But grace is not the removal of consequences of the wrong things that you and I have done. So let me give you a few examples. If you are out one evening and you get into a bit of a fight with someone and you punch them and you break your finger and you get put in jail in the night and you get a caution on your record, can God forgive you? Yes, he can. He will love you and forgive you, but you still have a caution on your record and you still have a broken finger. If you get caught speeding at 90 miles an hour down the motorway, you still get three points on your license. Will God forgive me? Yes, he will. But you still have the consequence of three points on your license. You cheat the finances at work. You cheat expenses. You, you do some dodgy dealings and you get caught. Can you be forgiven for what you have done? Yes, you can. But you'll lose your job. You see, God is not mocked. People think they can sometimes escape this principle, but one day, whether now or in the months or years to come, people will harvest their deeds. You reap what you sow. We see it all the time, don't we, in our news at the moment. The latest person who's brought to light, politician, actor, sportsman, brought to light what they sowed. Because eventually this principle holds true. You reap what you sow. One of the best but saddest examples in the Bible is David, King David. He was the greatest king of Israel. The Bible calls him a man after God's own heart. But David committed adultery and murder. Once he was found out, David repented. Repentance is is turning from the wrong things that we have done. David clearly repented. He asked for forgiveness from God. God gave him his forgiveness. But the consequences for his family 
were huge. Listen to some of the consequences. Absalom, David's son, goes around sleeping with some of David's wives. The child born to David and Bathsheba dies. David's children fight and rape one another. I mean, if you think it's Game of Thrones, it's kind of that times 10. Absalom then leads a rebellion against his dad. You see, God is not mocked. We reap what we sow. There is a freedom in the Christian life. We are set free. But then there is a choice. Where are you and I going to sow? Are we going to sow to the flesh? Or are we going to sow to the spirit? Again, I like, I think in, in pictures, images, they help me. So imagine you've been set free. There you are in this beautiful country estate. And over here is a field that is marked flesh. And over here is a, mere, a field that is marked spirit. All the time, every single day, you have a choice. Will I sow to the flesh or will I sow to the spirit? It's down to you and I daily decisions. And wherever you sow, you eventually will reap a harvest. You and I, here we are. Walk by the spirit, sow to the spirit, we will harvest. You and I, walk by the flesh, sow to the flesh, we will reap that harvest. And let me, let me tell you one thing that I have found over years to be really, really helpful. It's not so much about trying not to do the things of the flesh. It's about being proactive in doing the things of the Spirit. Because if you do the things of the Spirit, you won't be doing the things of the flesh because you can't be doing both things at once. And and they're active. Walk by the Spirit. It's an active following the Holy Spirit, His promptings every day. Even sowing to the Spirit. You're sowing. You're sowing. If you're sowing over here, you're not sowing over there. Even another scripture talks about set your mind on things above. Rather than set your mind on things of flesh, set your mind. That's a proactive setting your mind on things above. And this principle is everywhere we look in the world. You know, there's, there's a complex question. Why is there so much suffering and, 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 and evil in this world? But one of the reasons, one of the reasons is mankind continually sows the flesh. Sows to flesh, selfishly, ignoring God. And the harvest, when we sow to the flesh, is corruption and suffering and, and, and people being hurt and people being harmed and people being pushed out and people being abused. That's the harvest when you continually sow to the flesh. If we sow to the Spirit, It's not just that we have eternal life to look forward to. We have communion with God now. We have the best life now. We enjoy relationship, communion with the Lord God. We enjoy the delights of his heart. So that's the principle. You reap what you sow. And then let me close this morning with a promise. Verse 9. Don't grow weary in doing good. For at the proper time... You will reap a harvest. The reality is all of us sometimes get a bit fed up or give up when it comes to doing good. Why? Because we don't always see the results. 
We think, oh, I've helped that person. I've cared for that person. I've gone out of my way to help them. But nothing seems to happen. I feel taken for granted. I feel fed up. The whole thing is pointless. The whole thing is fruitless. Ah, I've just had enough. I'm off to go and do something else. We can become impatient. We want to see a result of what we have done. And this is where this promise comes in. The promise that Paul gives us. Don't go weary in doing good, for at the proper time, you will reap a harvest. Let me tell you a true story about a missionary couple called David and Sevilla Flood. They went to the Congo from Sweden. Huge step of faith back then, 100 years ago, to take that huge long journey to a remote village. They built their own mud hut outside of the village that they were trying to reach with the gospel. The only contact they had in that village with the people of that village was a little boy who came to them twice a week to sell eggs and chickens. Severe flood decided that if this little boy was the only boy that she could witness in the whole village, if this was the only African boy that she could have any contact with, then she would give it her everything and try and lead him to Jesus. Over time, that little boy became a Christian. But there was no other encouragements, none at all. And severe flood a little bit later then became pregnant. A little baby girl called Aggie was born. But a few weeks later, severe died of malaria. And David, her husband, something snapped inside. It all seemed so pointless. So he gave Aggie to a missionary couple, an American missionary couple, and he exited and went home to Sweden. Fast forward a number of years. Aggie, this little girl, grew up with this missionary couple, married an American, and went to Bible college. Whilst at Bible college, she saw, almost by chance, on the rack of missionary magazines, a magazine with a story, a story about a missionary couple from Sweden. There was a picture of a white cross, a grave, and on the white cross was written, severe flood. She read the article. The article talked about missionaries who come from Sweden to the Congo. It talked about the birth of a little white baby girl. It talked about the death of the mother. It talked about the one little African boy who'd been led to Christ. It talked about how the missionaries left. That little boy had grown up and built a school in the village. That little boy who now is a man gradually won his students to Christ. The children then led their parents to Christ. And even the chief of the village in Congo became a Christian. Today, 600 Christians in that village all worshipped Jesus because of the sacrifice and David and severe flood. Now, they didn't see the harvest. They didn't see the results. 
You see, they did good. They did good. They didn't see the harvest, but the promise of that verse held true. Don't grow weary in doing good. And in due season, at due time, you will reap a harvest. Paul is encouraging us, church, to to keep going in doing good. Keep going in blessing people. Keep going in helping people. Keep going in turning up and loving people. The seed won't always bear fruit straight away. Seeds, by their very nature, work underground for long periods of time before you see any action above the surface. Church, we are to hold on to this promise. In 2023, in this time we are living in, there are more and more opportunities for us as church collective and as individuals to do good to sow and to do good, to leave the reaping of the harvest and when that happens, up to God, but for you and I to joyfully do good. One interesting little last comment on verse 10 is, Paul does say, especially the household of faith, that we are to especially prioritize the believers amongst us, those who are struggling, those who need help. Now, it must never stop there. We must always be looking to bless others and to reaching out to others. But there is something attractive that people are drawn to if they see the church acting as it did in Acts chapter 2, the early church, where they shared possessions, where they looked out for one another, where they did good to one another. And it says there that the Lord added daily to their number. There's something attractive about a vibrant family of God's people, loving, looking out for one another, doing good to one another. So this is a promise that we all need to remember. The promise you will reap The timing, the moment, only God knows. But don't stop doing good. So let's bring everything to a conclusion. We've covered a lot of ground in these 10 verses of Galatians chapter 6. And remember, all of this practical outworking is a result of being saved by grace and and walking out and living out the freedom of what Jesus has done for us. This is Paul giving you the the, the parameters, the, the practical outworking of what it looks like to walk by the Spirit. Be friends. Restore gently where there is a need for challenge. Carry your own load with diligence. And know the principle and the promise. The principle that you reap what you sow. The promise that you must not grow weary in doing good. Because you will 